likewise, verse 4, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. When Christ died for us, we died to sin and we died to the law. We are free. The question is free free to do what? We no longer have to follow the law. What do we have to follow? Hmm. And here at the end of verse 4 and through 6, Paul tells us why. I mean, he's told us how we are saved from the law. We've been saved by the law. Does that say that? That's an error, my friends. Go ahead, look at the screen. Never ever think that. You are not saved by the law. Wow. We need a proofreader. Anybody? I see that hand in the balcony. Ah, we are free from the law. That's what it should write. Okay, let's just go to the next screen regardless, because that's offensive just to look at that. Thank you. We, uh, we were freed when we died with Jesus. And four to six, why? question is why? Why did God set us free from the law? Was there something wrong with it? No, not at all. And here it is, so that, there's that word that tells us purpose, that, so that you may belong to him who has been raised from the dead. Reason number one why we have been set free from the law, so that we can belong to Jesus. Notice here, in order that, there's that word that again, that tells us purpose, so that we can bear fruit to God, for God. Fruit, that's an interesting term. It means the result of something, right? You know, plant something, a seed in the ground, and fruit comes of it, yes? Takes a different shape depending on the seed. In the scriptures, fruit can refer to spiritual fruit. For example, character, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, and two that I always forget from that list. Look it up. (laughs) My friends, because God wants to produce something in us, and only that can be done separate from the law. It won't be done by following rules, my friends. And notice here in verse 5 and 6, another reason we've been set free from the law, so that we can serve in a new way. For while we were, look at verse 5, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused the law. We're at work in our members, aroused by the law. We're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in a new way of the spirits. In the old way of the written, not in the old way of the written code. So life in this new relationship with God is by the Spirit of God, not the law of God, my friends. Rules will never change you. 
He said, well, I don't know if that's really true, Pastor. I mean, I could set some rules where, you know, I get up at a different time and I eat something different, and that might change my body. It might change the way I feel through the week. But it will never conform you to the character of Christ, which, by the way, is the goal. It may not be your goal, but it is most certainly God's goal for you. Do you know why all of these things happen in your life? Both the good and the difficult and the harsh and the hurtful. Because God is shaping you. He is taking away that which is not Jesus and putting in your life that which is. And so, my friends, the law. We have been set free from the law. But you know what else? As we have been saying, the law cannot change us. Because that wasn't the purpose of the law. And you say, what was the purpose of the law? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look. Verse 7. Well, then shall we say that the law is sin? I mean, if we're set free from it, is it bad? (laughs) The answer is, meganoito, by no means, of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Yet, if it had not been for the law... I would not have known sin. And so the first purpose of the law was to define sin. You don't do this. That's why we put fences in our yards, or some people do. This stuff, it's mine. That stuff, not mine. We draw lines, and that's what the law did. And you don't go here, because the penalty is death. And so, my friends, the law cannot change us because it was designed to define sin for us. And you will notice also, the law condemns our sin. Paul writes, For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. Defining sin. But you know what else the law does? It provokes sin. It provokes sin. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Hmm. The law cannot change you, my friends can only tell you what's wrong. Imagine going to a doctor. Well, doc, I've had this pain here and something's going on here. And he tells you, well, you know what it is. You've got this thing in your body that, well, have a good day. That's all the law does, tell you what's wrong. But you don't go to a doctor just to find out what's wrong. Go to a doctor to get fixed. Same reason you go to a mechanic, right? Well, you know, I looked over your car. Looks like you need a new uh, muffler, and you got some piston issues here going on, and those spark plugs are junk. But hey, have a good day. Well, did, what did you do? Nothing. Just told you what's wrong. It's all the law does, my friends. Important that we know. Very important. But the law cannot sanctify us. Only God can. 
You see here in verse 10, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Here's what that means, because that sounds like a lot of, can we just get on to the stuff we understand, Pastor? Let me lay this out for you, what Paul's talking about. I put a sign in the entryway. You may have seen it on that little glass table. It said, please do not touch this. Anybody see that? Raise your hand if you saw that coming in today. Now raise your hand if you touched it. I see that hand in the balcony. You see, my friends, it is an illustration. Somebody telling you not to do something awakens sin in you and makes you think, Ain't nobody telling me what to do. Ain't no stop sign stopping this car. Nobody's telling me what to do. Do you understand that now? That's what the impact of the law is. Ain't nobody telling me. Yeah. And that's the problem with rules. I don't have to follow these. I don't have to do that. I can get out of school. Nobody telling me I got to be here and read a book. <laughs> that is the nature of sin. No, you see, I do whatever I want. I take whatever I want to take. I look at whatever I want to look at. I, I, I. It is the nature of sin. Feel free to touch it on the way out, though. You have permission, okay? Because you're set free from the law. Ain't nobody telling you what to do. <laughs> or is there? Hmm. You see, Paul says the problem was not the law. If you followed the law, you would be righteous and pure and holy and good. The problem is you can't. I mean, again, two-thirds of the Bible is the nation of Israel not following what God told them to do and seeing the results of it. It's a mess. It's a mess. And the problem is not the law, it's us. In, uh, we're going to get to chapter 8 next week, and in verse 3 we're going to read that the law is weak through the flesh. Now that is an interesting expression. You know what the weakness of the law is? Well, there isn't really any weakness in the law at all. You ever cooked a roast before? And you left it in just, just, just as maybe a little longer than it should have been in there. It's not burned. But you, you pull it out and you take a, a fork and, and maybe a knife or some other device. And you reach in and grab it and you pull it up and they just go right through. And everything is just shattered. Have you ever had that experience? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, we only have great cooks around here. Huh? <laughs> you see, the weakness is not in the fork, but in the flesh. So tender and soft, goes right through. That sounds good. <laughs> well, my friends, sin seizing an opportunity, verse 11 through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Problem is, we aren't. That's the weakness of the law. 
because only the righteous can follow it. And we ain't. Practically speaking, we can't do it. And that's the condition of the Christian. And this you must understand about yourself. You see here in in, uh, verse 13, Paul writes, Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So here is the law held up to our faces showing us what we are. And that's a pretty depressing picture, my friend. Showing us that we are sinners. That we are unholy. That we are dead. The law, like, I suppose, atomic energy and power. I mean, boy, you can do a lot with atomic energy. You know what else you can do? Kill a lot of people. All depends on how it's used, huh? Yeah, so the condition of a Christian is this. We are weak in our sin. And to make it worse, here in verses 14 to 25, there is a conflict, a war going on within us. And let me explain this truth to you. You and I, though we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and we have been declared righteous, we're still struggling on the practical part of that righteousness. We still take things that don't belong to us. We tell stories that aren't entirely true. Sin is still present in us. And we need to understand that. We still have a fallen nature that craves sin. There is an appetite and an attitude within every one of us that craves me, 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 me. I want that. Give me. And if you won't give it, I'll figure a way to take it. Not looking. You've done it. And so have I. Because we struggle with sin. We struggle. There is this condition within us and a conflict. Notice here in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. And Paul describes every one of our experiences. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Anybody relate to that? Now, what I want to be is holy and righteous and good and loving and kind. I'm still snapping at people. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. You have a sin nature. Where would you get it? Walmart? No, you were born with it. You came into this world with an appetite for sin. 
Nobody had to teach you, no, don't take that away from me, mom, that's mine. No one had to teach you the selfishness, gimme, gimme, let me have that now or I will scream all day long. Nobody has to teach a kid that, it's in nature. And you know exactly what that's like, even to this day, these cravings. But you now, as you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, have a new nature. Now here's the problem. Didn't take away the old nature at all, did it? So you have two natures within you. One that craves evil, selfishness, give me, I want. And another that desires to please God and to honor him. You wouldn't be here without that nature. This desire to know more about him and honor him and to one day meet him face to face. And so you have two natures and they're fighting within you. They're fighting for control. Which one wins when you have these two natures? The one you feed the most. The one you feed the most will be the strongest. You feed sin, ideas, just pick up a magazine and move your way. Oh, I want that. Oh, I'd like three of those. Oh, look at that one. I Just go ahead and feed that craving and see how strong it gets. Or you feed the new nature. You spend time in the Word of God. You spend time thinking about the truths about God. You spend time serving Him. You see, you feed that new nature and it gets strong. And things begin to change. You start cooperating with the Spirit of God prompting you to do the right thing. Convicting you to get rid of the wrong thing. And everything begins to change. That is how we are transformed. We have two natures, my friends. Verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. That is the war that you are in. And I'll tell you what, parents. Most of you are grandparents. You want to help your kids raise their kids? Tell them this. That child comes into this world already behind the eight ball craving sin that will bring death, that will ruin, destroy relationships. Help them to learn to overcome it, to say no to sin, to learn to control themselves. Isn't that what we try and teach kids? Learn to control yourself, to sit there quietly. <sighs> Everything inside them says, 
something over there I want to break. You want to give them a head start? Teach them about sin and the nature within them. and Teach them to overcome by putting their trust in Christ. So look at verse 20. Now, if I do not, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I, but sin that dwells within me. So I find that, so I find it to be a law that whenever I want to do right, evil lies at hand, lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Everybody here not desiring to be more like Christ? Anyone here not desiring to be more than you are today? And why aren't you? There's a battle, my friends, and if you don't take it serious, you never will be. If you don't put this into practice, you never will be. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, Again, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members, another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And so here is Paul explaining the condition of every believer. Within you there is an old nature, and that old nature, if it has its way, produces death in you. Sin, unrighteousness, filth, it dishonors God, shakes its fist at God. And yet there is something else within you, this new nature given to you at the moment you trust in Christ. Fighting, pleading, hoping somehow to overcome it. And you will notice here in verse 14, Paul's response to this. Perhaps you have had the same experience. Where Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he gives the answer, friends. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And Jesus is your only hope. Hear me when I say this. Who is responsible for your sanctification, the process in which you are transformed into the character of Christ? It is God himself. No laws, no new rules. Going to read ten pages of the Bible every day. I'm going to do some prescription for transformation. Tell you what, it's not a bad idea to be in the Word of God. But the hope is that God will accomplish what He will accomplish through it all. The changing of your mind. The feeding of your new nature. And the conquering of the old. Well... It's a little darker, isn't it, than Jesus is nice. But it's the truth. It's what you face. And you will never conquer that old nature lest you feed heavily the new. And now you've got a battle plan. The question is, what are you going to do with it?
Because, my friend, only the Lord can transform a sinner. You've got to trust him. So sin is complicated, but the solution is simple. Trust in Christ. Save by faith. Live by faith. And don't be tempted to create rules to be a better Christian. Trust in him. Watch the Holy Spirit work through your faith. And tell someone this week about the God who delivers us from the captivity of sin. You know, go tell them what Jesus did to set us free. Through faith in Jesus, his son. Father in heaven. Now that we know the truth, help us, God, to do what is right, to respond to you in the ways that we ought, knowing that this transformation process is in your hands. Help us to understand that the things that we go through, though difficult, have a great purpose to glorify you in the transformation of who we are changing our character, conforming us to the image of Christ. Help us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the victory, my friends, it's in Jesus. Aren't we seeing that?